Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Are you ready for the word today? All right. Pastor Dobie preached last week, and, uh, and he continued our retail series talking about uh, the Christmas story, and, and he did a great job of, of taking us through these, these different individuals as they experienced the first Christmas. And as we read and as we find the, the Christmas story in Scripture, he, he reminded us of things. And, and looking at Mary's life, it reminds us that God always has a plan. Looking at Zechariah reminds us that God has a promise, and the shepherds remind us that God has a peace. And if you weren't here last week and you weren't able to hear Pastor's message, I would encourage you to download the app, find it on, online on YouTube or on Facebook, go back and watch that and allow yourself to be encouraged because it is one of those encouraging messages. When we find ourselves in discouraging times, we can, we can take courage and take heart knowing that God has a plan in the midst of it. That there is a promise for me that I can stand on and there is the peace that passes all understanding that is made available to me. And so I would encourage you, if you're struggling during this time and during this season, to, to go back and, and watch that. Today we're going to continue. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through, through 7. And then we're going to, to kind of use that as our jumping off point. If you don't have your Bibles, the verses will be on the screens for you today. Here's what the Bible says that, at the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had gone to Bethlehem in Judea, which is David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now, and I love the New Living Translation, who was now obviously pregnant. She's obviously pregnant. It wasn't one of those situations where you see the, the person at the grocery store and you're like, I want to ask how far along she is, but I don't because if she's not pregnant, like, have you ever been there? And like you almost catch yourself like, oh, hey. Like I don't want to say something and then have to put my foot immediately. That was not the case with Mary. Mary at this point, the Bible says, is obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that as we, as we gather today and, and later this week, as we gather with family and we gather with friends to celebrate, to celebrate your birth, God, we thank you that, that you came. Father, we thank you that you sent your son. Jesus, we thank you that there is reason to celebrate and and that, that baby that was placed in a manger and wrapped in strips of cloth didn't stay a baby, but he grew up. And as he grew up, he lived the perfect life. And, and as the one who was perfect, as the, the, the perfect lamb sacrificed himself that, that we might find new life. Lord, we thank you for that today. 
As we celebrate the, the time and the season of your birth, I pray that, that we would keep you at the center of it all. We have these cute little sayings that Jesus is the reason for the season. God, may that not just be something that comes off of our lips, but, but may it be etched on our hearts as well. May we keep you at the center of it all, not just today and not just this week and not just this weekend on Christmas or Christmas Eve, but Lord, every day. May every day be Christmas. May every day be a celebration of your coming and of your birth. We thank you and we love you. Be with us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. How many of you guys put your Christmas presents out on, on New Year's morning? Anybody? Or not New Year's, Christmas morning, excuse me. Now, we make our kids wait until New Year's morning. <laughs> Any Christmas, Christmas morning, like the, the, the tree, there's nothing under the tree until that night, and then you rush to put the, the gifts out. How many of you just like, whatever at this point, we put them out whenever we buy them, typically Christmas Eve? Okay, that's, <laughs> that's most of us. Now, now, here's my thing, like, like I love walking into the house and, and I love looking under the tree and I love seeing presents under the tree and, and I love gathering, whether it's at my parents on Christmas Eve or at Angel's parents on, on Christmas morning and, and all the kids are there and, and the family is there and you, you look and you see all the gifts under the tree and there's like this eager anticipation. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you have kids, you know that there's like an energy in the room. As I was, as I was watching through, so I was watching through our, our, our family Christmas videos from the past. I, I shared a couple of weeks ago, my, my grandpa and he, his 20 minute sermons, right? He would, he would read the scripture and, and as the, the camera pans, you can see all of us one by one, just like, okay, let's go. Especially the kids, like their eyes are like locked in on the presents. There was one Christmas, I think it was 90 or 91, my cousin was talking during the sermon. And my grandpa was like right in the middle of Luke chapter two. And he says, Connie, that's enough. <laughs> and it was like, everybody was just like, holy cow, that just happened. And then he just like picks back up in the scripture where he was like, nothing just happened. When you gather and the presents are there, they're under the tree. There's this, there's this anticipation because because who knows what could be inside, right? There's hopes and there's, there's things that we've asked for. And I, I wish that there's this. I wish I get this. I hope I get that. And then the moment comes where you, you take those presents, you take those gifts and you, you rip them open. I was talking to somebody this morning. He says, when, when I was little, we were, we were taught that when you open the present, you have to do it gently and carefully because we would then rewrap and reuse the paper for the next Christmas. And so like, you have to be careful with the tape and you have to be careful peeling and you can't rip and you can't tear. And he says, then I got married. My wife would just like rip through stuff. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you rip open those presents. Why? Because I need to know what's inside. I got to find out what this, this gift contains, right? I was watching this week. There's a, a video that's gone around for the last few years, but, but there's a, a late night talk show host who decided that it would be funny to play a prank on his kids. And he asked other people to do the same where you wrap a present, but you make it like a really bad present and then give it to your kids on Christmas morning and you're supposed to film their reactions. So there's this one video, these parents give these, these kids these presents, they rip them open, the one girl opens it and it's a jar of pickles. And then the other kid opens it and it's like this old brown, like crusty banana. And the mom's like trying to be excited, like, oh my gosh, what did you get? She's like, 
is an old banana. And I was going to play it for you, but as the more I watched it, the more frustrated and upset I got at how spoiled kids are. Because they were like literally like in tears, crying. I'm just, I I wanted to take off my belt and (laughs) never mind. But there's this video and it's, it's, it's showing us the disappointment when your, your hopes and your expectations aren't met. These kids had this, this hope that inside of this gift would be this incredible thing and it would be this, this great thing. But then when they opened it, they didn't get what they expected to get. I think what would even be worse is if, if you gave your kids an empty box. Just let them open it and then be like, yeah, that's what you get. Bah humbug, right? You open it. How would you feel if you opened up an empty gift? Like if somebody presented you and said, hey, I thought, I thought long and hard about what to get you for Christmas. And this is what I've decided. This is from me. From my heart to you. They get excited. They open it up and the box is empty. And you're like, Merry Christmas. Like if that was, how would you respond? Like, excuse me? You're missing something here, right? Like there would, there would be the sense that something is missing. If you were to open up all the presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning and there was nothing inside, you would know that something this Christmas is missing. That's what happens when we celebrate Christmas without Christ. See, when we, when we think about the physical and when we think about the material and when we think about the gifts and the presents and, and if there was no gift under the tree, Christmas wouldn't be the same. If there was nothing placed in the box that was neatly wrapped with the bow on top, but it was just an empty cardboard box, we would say something is missing this Christmas. The reality is, to each and every one of us, the greatest gift ever has been given. And if we gather and we celebrate and we, we, can, we, can, we can wrap our lives as nice as we want, we could put all the bows on it and have all of the lights and all of the things. But if Christ isn't at the center of it, then something is missing this Christmas. It's not the same. It's not the same as it could be. It's not the same as it is intended to be. Something is definitely missing. And the problem is there are so many people today that are celebrating Christmas without Christ. So many people that are opening empty boxes at Christmas and have not realized the true gift that has been made available to each of us. See, it's not just a problem in our day, but it was a problem that first Christmas as well. Even that, first, even that first Christmas, there were people who missed Christ in it, who failed to see what had been made available to them. As we, as we look at the, the story, as we look at the scripture, I want us to, to take a look at three different people, these, these individuals who missed Christ at Christmas and ask, what can we learn? Because there are times where we learn from those that do it right. I mean, you know, there are, there are times also that we learn from those that do it wrong. Yeah. Most of the lessons that I've learned in my life are not lessons I've learned through success, but they're lessons learned through failure, Man. either my failure or the failure of those around me. Yeah. And as you look at that, it's like, oh, I'm going to make sure that I don't want to do that 
Again, I was meeting with a friend of mine this weekend when just talking about leadership and how that as leaders, we, we need to empower people and, and give them responsibility and leadership and open that to them. And, and even if, and especially when there's a chance that they fail, because it's through failure that we learn all of these lessons. And it's so important to us that, that we take a look at the failures as well as the successes and ask, what, what can I learn from that? Pastor Doby last week told you, and I'm not sharing anything new. He told you about that Christmas that he didn't get the gift. That Christmas that he rushed home and printed something off. Listen, that story will live in infamous infamy for, for generations in the Weasel family. <laughs> my kids know that story. My grandkids will know that story. Generations, we will be better as men because of that story. Why? Because we will not, we will not, we will learn from our patriarch. There are lessons to be learned. And I tell my kids, listen, I'm not going to do everything right. But when I do something wrong, I want you to learn from that. Yeah. And so today, as we, as we look at the scripture, who are those that miss Christ in Christmas? The first person that I see is the innkeeper. The innkeeper missed Christ at Christmas. He failed, he failed to see it. Look at, look at the scripture. Look at what Luke chapter 2 says that when when the time, no, go back to the, the, the next one. When the time came for her to give birth, that there was, there was no room, Right? There we go. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no lodging available for them. There was no lodging. The hotel was full. Reservations had been made. Bethlehem, you have to understand, is not this bustling hub of a city. It's a small village community. And so all of these people who were coming back, descendants of King David, to register for this census would have literally overwhelmed the, the resources of Bethlehem. Joseph should have known better. He should have made a reservation. But guess what, guys? He didn't. You ever been there? Like, I forgot to make the reservation or I made it for the wrong time. And in and, and anyway, they're late in arriving. Typical man. He gets there late. There's no room. And listen, we could blame it on Joseph. And could he have missed a turn and not wanted to stop and ask for directions like a man typically does? Yes, it's probably, it's probably true. That could have happened. But here's what I would like to think. Why were they late? Have you ever traveled with an obviously pregnant individual? Do you know how often they have to stop to go to the bathroom? Like I can see Mary every 15 minutes like Joseph stopped the donkey. <laughs> Joseph pull over, they're late in arriving and in their tardiness, there is no room available for them in the inn. The innkeeper, as Joseph knocks on the door and says, hey, do you have any room available? My wife is pregnant. We're not sure of that conversation. We're not giving it in scripture. But what we do know is the innkeeper obviously turned them away. There is no room. We are completely full. Well, can you do anything because my wife is pregnant? No, I'm sorry, sir. There's nothing we can do. We are at full capacity and I'm, I'm not going to inconvenience somebody else and I'm not going to allow you to inconvenience me. And you know what? You just have to find other, other options because we are closed. We are full. The innkeeper missed Christ. He was right there. He was right. He had an opportunity to host the, the birth of the Messiah. Like, could you imagine this innkeeper from that point on being able to put a sign up? The birthplace 
of Jesus Christ. Like this isn't like the elf where it's like the world's best cup of coffee. Like this is the birthplace of the literal Messiah. Do you think if the innkeeper could go back, he would do it differently? You think if, if, given, if given a DeLorean with a flux capacitor, he would go back and make another choice? If only I knew then what I know now. How many times have we said that in life? If only, if only I knew then what I, you know, there are, there are a list of things that if I could go back to John Weasel in high school that I would go back and say to him. First of all being, you're not that cool. People's opinions really don't matter. Sports are not your life. There are so many things that if I could go back to myself, I would tell myself. If only I knew then what, what I know now, right? Like that's, that's a thought that we have because there are lessons that we learned that we wish we could go back and put into place. And so as this innkeeper, you better believe if he had the opportunity to go back, he would. He'd find somebody, he'd give him his own private quarters. He, he'd find a way to, to have Mary and Joseph and Jesus and host them and, and do everything he could. If King Herod came to this inn that evening with his entourage and said, hey, I need a room, what would the innkeeper do? He'd kick somebody out. He'd close an entire wing. He'd close an entire floor. But here, the king of kings and the Lord of lords is, and the innkeeper misses it. He says, you know what, there's... There's no room. We're, we're full. See, the lesson that we learn from the innkeeper is here's, here's really what the innkeeper is saying. Jesus can be around. He just can't inconvenience me. See, if we're going to, if we're going to find Christ in Christmas, we can't keep him at arm's length at the risk of being inconvenient. The innkeeper is saying, listen, you can be in town. You don't have to leave town. You can, you can stay close by, but you just, can't, you just can't stay here. You can't inconvenience my business. You can't, you can't tell me how to run my business. You can't tell me how to run my life. And, and if there's ever anything that I've learned following Jesus, the many years that I have, is you better be ready to be inconvenienced because he will do it at every opportunity that he gets. Because it's not, it's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about, it's not about your plans. It's not about your desires. It's about his divine will for your life. And whatever he has to do to get you to that point, the innkeeper says, listen, you can stay. But just don't inconvenience me, Jesus. There are so many people who come to church and it's like, I want Jesus around. Like I, I, want, I want to be able to go to Jesus when I need something. I just don't want him giving directives to me. I just don't want him to inconvenience me. I don't want him to make me uncomfortable. He can stay in town. He just can't stay in my town. The innkeeper missed Jesus. He missed Christ in Christmas. The second person that we see missing Christ in Christmas is King Herod. King Herod was, was the, the top political Jew of the day. The Roman government had, had put him in control of this region. He was, he was essentially the, what we would understand as a governor. He was, he was the king of that region, though. He oversaw it all. He and his, his father, his family had worked for generations making the right political connections. 
kissing up to the right people and doing the right things, that they had enough political capital that when this position came available, it was given to Herod. And as he is is serving, as reigning as as the king in this area, in Matthew chapter 2, we we see the wise men coming to town. And as the wise men come to town, they they come to, to Jerusalem and they ask this question. They say, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, in my mind, I see Herod in his in his palace and he's got his royal court there with him and all of a sudden the doors come crashing open and these these three men come in and where is he where is this newborn king of the jews and herod's like um excuse me uh i sir am the king of the jews and they're like no 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 the the newborn we saw his star we saw a star as it rose in the east we've come to to worship him and King Herod, look at King Herod, was deeply disturbed when he heard this. There's a newborn king. I thought I was king. There's somebody who's, who's coming for my throne. Don't they know how hard I've worked for this? So what does he do? He calls a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and he asks the question, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He knew what they were talking about. He knew that it was the Messiah, and yet he still missed it. Here he was reigning politically. Here he was sitting in this this high office, and the wise men come, and they're asking the question, where is the king of the Jews? He says, you're looking at him, and they said, no, sir, that's not what we're talking about. We were instructed years ago to be looking for these signs, and we've seen these signs now. So, So we've come to worship him. Tell us, where is he? And Herod's response is, there's only room for one king in this region. There's only room for one king. There can't be two kings of the Jews, and I am the king of the Jews. And so what does he do? He, he devises this plan to, to snuff out the life of not just Jesus, but every male child in the region. He says there's not space for for two kings. See, see he misses Christ at Christmas. Why? Because he wants to remain in control. He doesn't want anything to come between him and his ability to rule in that region. What does King Herod say? King Herod is saying this, Jesus can sit on a throne. He just can't sit on my throne. He can be a king of something, but he can't take over my kingship. See, you can can very easily miss Christ at Christmas if you are trying to rule your own life. If you are trying to remain your own king, if you are trying to to remain sitting on the throne of your your life, you can very easily miss Christ at Christmas. The question we must ask ourselves is who's on the throne? Who is the king? What does a king do? A king protects, a king provides, but a king also decrees. And his decrees become laws. And those laws are carried out by those that are living in his kingdom. And so what we need to understand is that when a king speaks, the people under his kingship act in accordance to what the king is saying. His declarations become marching orders for those in his kingdom. Whose declarations do you listen to? Whose declarations are the marching orders for your life? Is it a political individual? Is it a a medical professional? Is it yourself? 
Is it somebody around you? Is it somebody with influence? Or is it Jesus Christ? Is it his word? Are his words your marching orders? And when you read his word, it's like, man, there are things that I need to change because I'm not living in accordance with what you are saying to me. Who's on the throne of your life today? The angels came to, came to the shepherds. They appear and the host of angels shows up and they start saying, peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's a scripture that we like to quote. We sing songs about. We love it. We all want that, right? Like who doesn't want peace on earth? Who doesn't want the, the goodwill? Something that we all want. But the, the problem is we leave it right there and we don't finish the scripture. Because what the angels say is peace on earth and goodwill to those with whom he's pleased. We want the peace. We want the goodwill. We just don't want to have to do what pleases him to get it. God, give me peace. God, give me your favor. God says, it's yours. If you're in my kingdom, under my rule and doing what I say. Says if that's the, if that's the case, then peace is yours. Goodwill is yours. Favor is yours. Freedom is yours. Forgiveness is yours. Joy is yours. Love is yours. Deliverance is yours. Healing is yours. Whatever it is that you want and whatever it is that you need is available to you and I would love to provide it to you, but it's for those with whom I am pleased. How do we, how do, we do that? We live according to his rule. We live according to his word, we, we find and put Christ back at the center of Christmas and stop living this charade like we're, we're, we're actually doing something when our lives are empty and meaningless. Just like that box, there's no substance to it. There's no substance to our lives when we don't have Christ at the middle. There's no, no substance to Christmas when we don't put Christ at the center of it all. The innkeeper missed Christ because he didn't want to be inconvenienced. King Herod missed Christ because he didn't want to be displaced. He didn't want to be removed from his position of authority. And there are a lot of us who keep Jesus at an arm's length because we want to keep the authority in our lives. I like the idea of Jesus. I like the idea of this, but, but to actually live it out, I don't know that I can do that because I want to have the final say. I want to continue to sit on the throne of my life. The great thing is all it takes is one decision. All it takes is us realizing that we are not the Lord of it all. All of it, all it takes is us realizing that we don't keep the world spinning in our hands to get up off of the throne of our lives and to surrender and submit ourselves to him and watch him take over and see what he does. It's incredible when we do that, what happens because his plans are always better than our plans. His rule is always better than my rule. His decrees are always better than my decrees. My decrees get me broke and they get me in trouble and they get me messed up and they get me hurting and they get me, they, 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 they fill me with shame and all of this stuff. When I live according to my rule, you know what happens? I make a mess of it all. But when I surrender and I submit myself to his authority in my life, there is the fruit of the spirit and there is peace in my heart and there is purpose in my life. It's incredible what happens. And it's available to you if you would just simply get off the throne of your life. Realize you weren't created to rule it all. But that's why he was sent here. 
So the innkeeper missed it. The King, King Herod missed it. And then the third, this is the final group of people that I want us to look at. Who else missed Christ at Christmas? The religious people. The religious ones miss Christ at Christmas. King Herod is told he's, he's come. The Messiah has been born. He says, hey, guys, pastors, teachers, apostles, like all of you who know the scripture, where was the Messiah supposed to be born? And here's what they say. In Bethlehem, in Judea, because here's what the prophet wrote. And here they're, they're quoting from the Old Testament from Micah chapter five. And here's what it says. It says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. The wise men come to King Herod and they ask, where has he been born? Herod goes to the pastors of the day and says, hey, where is he supposed to be born? They, knowing the scripture, reply and say, in Bethlehem, because here's what the prophet wrote about. Here's what the prophet said. Here's what the prophecy of the coming Messiah has to say. Hundreds of years ago, this is what was written, that Bethlehem will be the birthplace of the ruler of Israel. They knew the scripture. They knew what to look for. They had it. They had it all. They had all the pieces of the puzzle available to them, and yet they still missed Christ at Christmas. How is that, how is that possible? How is it possible to know God's word so well that when asked, you're able to quote it off the top of your head and still miss Christ? How is it possible to come to church week after week or watch online week after week and stand before God one day and have him still say, depart from me, I never knew you. But did I not? Did I not watch online? Did I not go to church? Did I not give? Did I not serve? Did I not do all of these things? And he says, listen, you can know about me, but if you don't know me, the religious people, they knew the word. They knew the scripture and yet they still miss Christ. What's interesting is when you compare and you contrast the religious leaders and these wise men, the wise men who saw the sign and acted, the religious leaders who knew what signs to look for and still did nothing, the wise men who came from the east, probably Babylon, which is a four-month journey, roughly. That's what it took Ezra to get back when they came from captivity. So that's what I'm basing that four months on, but roughly. So they see the sign and they pack up their camels and they set out on this journey. It took them a long time to get there. And the religious people who couldn't get in their car and drive down the road to find them. Like it's, it's crazy when you, when you think about it. Here are, here are the, the wise men. How did they know what to look for? I would say go back to the book of Daniel. Daniel had prophesied the, the timeline of the coming and the death of the Messiah. When Daniel was taken into captivity, into Babylon through the favor of God upon his life, he rose in ranks in King Nebuchadnezzar's court until he was put in charge of what? He was the head magi. 
That's the position that Daniel was given in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar, that he was in charge of all of the priests and all of the astrologers and all of the the wise men in Babylon. So here Daniel is prophesying of the coming Messiah, leading these other individuals. And I guarantee you, he told them, hey, in about 300 years, this is what you're going to want to look for. When you see this sign, when, when these things start happening, when, when this takes place, you'll know that the Messiah is, is come. And now they see the sign. They recognize it because they've had the teachings in the past and they act upon it in a way that is sacrificial to them, goes out of their way, makes this journey. Why? Because there is one who has been born that is worthy of worship. You know who else had those same prophecies? The religious people, the scribes, the priests, they knew what to look for and what to expect. And all of the signs start happening. You know what they do? Nothing. Just apathy, comfort, not willing to to get outside of themselves, not willing to to get outside of their, their comfortable spaces and do something about it. You know what the religious people tell us? The religious people tell us this, that, that we can know the word. The religious folks said, I know the word, but I don't care to know the person. They knew the scriptures, but they weren't willing to make the trip. They knew the scriptures, but they weren't willing to come and worship. They knew the scriptures, but they, they weren't willing to sacrifice anything to get there. There are so many people today who know the word, but don't care to know the person. Missing Christ at Christmas because we can quote scripture, but we have no relationship with Jesus. There is nothing personal connecting us. For us, Christianity is about an an intellectual endeavor. It's about studying the scripture for for knowledge's sake, but the scripture was never meant to just be informational, but transformational. God's word is supposed to be transformational in your lives. And, and I heard Tony Evans say this, that if, if the written word doesn't take you and direct you to the living word, then it just becomes another word. Yes, we need the written word, but if the written word isn't directing us to the living word, who is the living word? It is Jesus. It is the one who in John chapter one says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. With him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was what? Life. He's the living word. And the reason we are given the written word is to direct us to the living word so that in him we can find life. And if we study the scriptures and we know the word, but we don't care to know the person, we've missed it. We've missed it. We're missing out. John chapter five, Jesus is having a conversation with the religious leaders. He's now, he's now grown. He's begun his ministry. He heals a man on the Sabbath. Of course, they throw a fit. Who are you? Why do you think you can do that? He's like, I'm the son of God. They're like, excuse me. Like, you're, you're claiming to be what now? Like, I'm the, the son of God. My testimony, it's not just my testimony, but look at what John the Baptist is testifying about me. He's true. He's right. This is what the scripture says. And here's what he, he gets to the end of this. He says, listen, you're searching the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, Jesus says, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. 
Jesus is telling them, listen, you have all the knowledge in the world. You can recite so much of it, and yet it hasn't changed your life. Why? Because the scriptures are pointing you to me, and you're failing to see that. You're failing to recognize that. Listen, this Christmas, let's not just get wrapped up in the written word, but let's allow the written word to lead us to the living word. Let's put Christ back at the center of Christmas. Let's not allow our inconvenience and, and our, our, our discomfort. Let's not, let's not allow our desire to sit on the throne of our lives so that we could be the boss of it. Let's not allow our intellect to keep us from, from recognizing who Christ is and what he came to do. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to come through the Father? You, you have to come through me. You find that in me. You find new life in me. You find hope in me. You find peace in me. You find joy in me. The reason that, that Jesus came and the reason why we celebrate, the reason why there are presents under a tree, the reason there are, are lights on trees, the, the, the reason we, we do all of this, the reason we, we look at the manger, the reason we put up the nativities, the, the reason we take time during this season is to, to, to remember the Christ that was born. What that made available then to us means that God sees us. God sees you. God knows where you're at. He wants to have relationship with you. That first Christmas, there were so many people who missed it. Luis, you can come back. So many people who missed it. I would hate for you to go through another Christmas with an empty box in your life. Hate for you to to experience another holiday season without Christ at the center of it all. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're experiencing today. I don't know what your, your spiritual journey has looked like. Maybe, maybe you're just taking the first steps. Maybe you haven't taken any steps. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and it's like, man, this is all news to me. I never knew any of this stuff. That's why Christ came. Christ came to have relationship with you. Christ came to redeem you. Christ came to restore you. Christ came to renew you. He came in one of the darkest moments in the history of this nation, Israel, and the history of this people. One of the darkest, most confusing, frustrating times, and Jesus came in the midst of that. He can come and he can break through the darkness of your life. He can come and he can bring peace to the disorder and he can, he can bring comfort in the confusion. And whatever it is that, that you need, there is reason to celebrate today. Not just because a king was born, but the king of kings was born. It wasn't just any Lord, but it was the Lord of Lords. Some of us, like the innkeeper, we have our lives so full of stuff, our minds so full of stuff. We've crammed our lives full of things that may be well-intentioned or even good things, but Jesus comes and he says, hey, make room in your heart for me, make room in your life for me. It's like, sorry, there's no room. I'm too busy, I got too much going on. I'm not really sure about this anyway. It's gonna inconvenience me. You're gonna ask me to do things that I, I don't wanna do. You're going to ask me to stop doing things that I like doing. Don't miss Christ because you're, 
your life is full of other things. Maybe like King Herod, we're sitting comfortably on the throne of our lives. The only person's decrees that we have to listen to are our own. And if we want to do something, we do it. Maybe we're not willing to give up the the throne of our lives. Don't miss Christ at Christmas because you want to stay in control. Maybe like the religious people, we, we know the word. We come to church. We participate, we serve, we give, we do all the things. We know all the things. But we're distant from Christ in our hearts. We've lost that connection. We've lost that relationship. We've, we've lost touch. We, like all sheep at a time, have gone our own way. And this Christmas is an opportunity for you to come back home. Like the wise men who decided to make that journey. These men were willing to do whatever it took to see Jesus. Whatever it took to offer gifts. Whatever it took to worship him. Whatever it took to be in his presence. Whatever it took, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. My prayer is that that would be your heart this Christmas. Jesus, I'll do whatever it takes to be close to you. I'll do whatever it takes to be with you. I'll do whatever it takes to see you. I'll do whatever it takes to engage with you. I'll do whatever it takes to worship you. You want want a gift? Here's my life, the only gift that I have to give. Jesus, whatever you want, it's yours. I just want to be close to you. That's the reason for the season. That is why we celebrate. That is why we gather. That is why we sing. That is why we shout. That is why we rejoice. It's why we give and receive gifts. It's why we decorate. But in all of that stuff, May we not fail to keep Christ at the center of it all. Amen. Stand with me this morning. If you're here today or you're watching online and you hear that message, I want want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message. It's a challenging message. It's not your typical Christmas message, right? Like peace, hope, and love. But there is peace, hope, and love to be found, but it's found in relationship with him. It's found when we make room for him. It's found when we we give him the throne of our lives. There is that stuff and, and, and more of it than you can imagine. You may not be in your head encouraged, but your spirit is encouraged today. And this morning, if you're here, you're watching online and, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, he's, he's challenging you, he's, he's shining a light on things in your heart or in your life, I wanna give you an opportunity this Christmas to open the greatest gift that you've ever opened. It's not a jar of pickles. It's not a brown bruised banana. It's not a box of emptiness where there is no substance but it's a gift of 
eternal life with him. It's a gift of abundant life here and now. It's a gift of joy, a gift of security, a gift of hope. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I've, maybe I've never given my heart to Jesus. Maybe like that innkeeper, I've kept him out. Or like Herod, I've, I've stayed on the throne of my life. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I'm like those religious people that knew the word, but there was no relationship and I need to get right with God today. But if that's you, if you're here, would you do me a favor? Just raise your hand. I just wanna pray with you. I wanna pray with you right where you're at. Don't be ashamed today. Just raise it up. Say, pastor, I need prayer today. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. You can put it back down after you've raised it. Anybody else? Anybody else quickly? Thank you, sir. greatest gift ever given, ever received, ever opened. Those of you watching online, you can pray this prayer with us. Those of you that are here that raise your hand, I'm just gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Church, would you help us to pray today? It's just, it's a simple prayer of, of confession. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of acceptance and, and dedication moving forward. Just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up your life so I can find new life in you. And today, I admit I've messed up. I've ruled my life for too long. I've kept you at arm's distance for too long, but I don't want to miss you this Christmas. Would you come into my life Would you change me from the inside out? Would you give me a new heart? Give me a new mind. Give me a new spirit. Help me to live according to your word, according to your decrees, according to your declarations from this day forward for the rest of my life. I surrender. I submit my life to you today in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer for the first time. Those that for the first time have have opened the gift of eternal life, have stopped looking for it in other things. But Jesus, even as as you said to those, those individuals that day, that the scripture points to you, all scripture points to you, points to our need for you. We're thankful for the written word because the written word shows us how much we need the living word. And today, as the living word, that we surrender ourselves to you. This Christmas, may we we really and and truly remember the reason for the season. God, as we go from this place, help us to, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be changed, and to be transformed by the power of your word and your spirit at work in our hearts and in our lives. God, that we would evaluate if there's there's any area of our heart that and maybe like that innkeeper saying, See, sorry, Jesus, we're full. Maybe like King Herod, sorry, Jesus, but I'm kind of comfortable on the throne. Let me make that decision. Any area of our lives where like the religious, we say, oh, we know all of the answers. We don't, we don't need you. Lord, we repent and ask for you to forgive us of those things. We surrender those things to you. Holy Spirit, as you shine a light on those things, I pray that you would give us the strength to to make the the, the changes, the adjustments, 
that are needed in our lives. We thank you as we celebrate Christmas for what it means. That on that night when those angels came and appeared to those shepherds and said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men, I, I bring you great news of great joy for today is born a savior. We thank you. We thank you that today we still, still celebrate that there was born a Savior. Savior not just of a nation, but Savior of all people who would at any time put their faith and trust in you. Lord, we do that today. Pray that you would be with us this week. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Listen, if you, if you need prayer today, our prayer team is down here. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. We want to, to resource you, let you know kind of the next steps, what, what you need to do. Our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to do that. For those of you that are joining us on Christmas Eve, we will see you then, 5.30. No kids ministry. The kids will be in here with us. But, but plan on being a part of that Christmas Eve candlelight service. We're going to have a great time. Love you. Be blessed, church. Have a great week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.